Hi everyone! Welcome to another episode of Latinas Who Adventure. Marcella here. Today we're bringing you a two-part episode from our archives. About a year ago, Heather and I had a wonderful live chat on Instagram about all things car camping. With winter coming up and folks starting to plan their 2022 trips, it's never a bad time to talk about getting ready for camping. Listen in. Hi everyone. Thanks for joining. So we're talking about car camping. Part one of this series, we're going over the basics. If any questions, please ask throughout the video. We're happy to answer it as we go. And we always hold a Q&A at the end. Um, so you can always ask questions at the end if you can't think about it now. But this time you wanted to put on disclaimer. Despite we're, we're talking about car camping, uh, we still are advocating for local travel as much as possible because um, there's a bunch of different restrictions throughout the county. So just please be mindful of that. Um, just make sure you know before you go, do your research, check all your sources, because not one source is just, I mean, make sure your source is correct. Um, so yes. there's, there's other apps like All Trails, but sometimes you have to check all your sources because like directly from where you go. And uh, thirdly, um, if you so determined to go, um, we do want you to adventure safely. So if you're in the Bay Area or Central Coast, please reach out to me. And then Marcella, you can talk about on behalf yeah. of you. Yeah, so I'm in the Portland, Oregon area. Um, I could basically talk about anywhere from the like Northwest Coast to the mountains and a little bit of Southwest Washington as well. But yeah, I totally second what you're saying. I think something that is definitely especially important around here, but I think that's the case in a lot of states with travel during COVID is being mindful of the communities that you're driving through. I know you and I talked about this offline a little bit. At least here in Oregon, when you are driving through more rural areas, you might be driving inside of a Native American reservation they have been hit very hard by COVID. And so it's especially important that you know where you're gonna be driving um, and just be, again, just be mindful of the fact that if you're driving a longer distance, you're potentially bringing, especially with the new strains, like bringing potentially more COVID to these already hard hit communities. So um, something to, to honestly always be aware of, but especially during COVID, I think it's important. So now we can talk about the fun stuff. So if you, again, <laughs> if you have any questions, please reach, please type in, you can DM us or you can ask at the very end. So we want to go over basic equipment. So the one thing ah. that stands on top of my mind is that you got to separate car camping from backpacking. It's two completely separate things. It's still camping, mm -hmm. but whenever you decide to buy camping gear, don't, don't think I'm going to get backpacking gear for camping. Don't, don't think that way. Like I highly recommend not to do that because car camping, you don't have to worry about the weight. It's all about what your car can pack and your car carries yes. that weight. Backpacking, it's all, it's, it's about what you carry on your back. And it mm -hmm. is a whole different conversation. We'll come across later on, but still with like backpacking, there's special equipment you use and the, it's all about the lightweight there's certain brands 
like it's not actually the brands doesn't really matter it's a lot smaller brands that i love a lot that are actually more a little bit more affordable but that's a whole different thing like car camping like you can like the sky's the limit actually the car is the limit what you car can carry is <laughs> yes. the limit and brands doesn't even matter like i like i, I actually end up bringing a lot of stuff that's like it's just, just sitting in my house or someone just gave to me so just mm -hmm. i want to kind of reiterate that so so maybe it will give you like you up so you don't have to like think too hard about car camping because like that's like the easiest thing car camping like i'll bring my own yeah. pillows i bring like pots from my kitchen <laughs> because yeah. i i'm just i'm just why i want to buy separate pots and pans for car camping but um yeah i just kind of want to reiterate that so so that's the topic just car number one car camping is all about that isn't about the weight it's all about your car can carry so we can go over to the next thing to kind of dive into it which is guarding the tent and shelter do you want to go into that marcella sure yeah um especially because we've been very very lucky with our our tent um we bought our tent i don't know like 10 years ago at this point no it's probably been a little less than that but at just like bass pro shops um online two-person tent one thing that's super important is the rain cover or rain fly um, that's apparently the official term. <laughs> and if it rains um, and your tent is leaking, this happened to a friend of mine when we were camping with a group once. She ended up just sleeping in the car. So that's another maybe like good side benefit of car camping as opposed to backpacking. But yeah, I think those were kind of the two main like tent related things. You definitely want to make sure that it's sealed properly once you're inside so that you don't get bugs um we always keep our tent closed yep. for that reason and stuff like that <laughs> um Me too. so yeah yeah and then for us the car camping like you don't have to get like a two-person tent like i think we have like a 20 year old tent like we just got handed down <laughs> and i think it's a six person or eight person tent but what's so cool about those big tents it's like ginormous it like puts our backpacking tent to a shame it's probably 20 <laughs> pounds but you know what no big deal um because actually it's so big that we can fit an inflatable mattress in it nice. Think about that but <laughs> it's so awesome like yeah like it's people can call it glamping whatever you want to call it but i'm just like it's it's nice especially for the cold weather because the r value the value that it's raising from like from the um the ground to your mattress usually like most air mattresses like for for backpacking is like two or three sleeping pads for ours is probably like a, like a 20. <laughs> yep yep someone gonna... just posted they lived in their van for three years it was one of the most meaningful experiences they had yeah that's Ooh, pretty awesome that is um i've never had the chance to do that i think it's something that i i would really like to do yeah that's awesome you got to combine backpacking with van camping. I think that's probably kind of the best of both worlds. Cause I think so. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I, I'd love to hear more about your um, your experience. And but yeah, we should chat. Like, I would love to talk about your experience. Because I love sure. people's stories and what they do. I think it's so awesome because there's no right or wrong way how to do it. And I think the best of the most world is great because I love backpacking, but I love camping because I'm actually in it. I'm not, don't feel rushed at all. And I get to sleep there and just something to worry about bringing stuff. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, so as, I think that pretty much covers the tent and shelter. I mean, mm. especially if you have a van or an RV, um, once you have an RV, right, that opens up a whole new world. Yeah. My only experience with car camping is driving with a tent and then kind of 
setting that up and everything. People I, have trailers yeah. too, which is really cool. Right, right, right. So there's like this whole range of things you can do. And if you have seen any of the van life accounts, like those vans and cars are like very decked out. So, yes, so um, those are it's other option. Pretty cool. Decked out, but minimalist is also true like they have everything you need but it still all just fits in the one van space but i think it was just a really good segue into the sleeping part of having the tent because <laughs> you just you mentioned the air mattress and the blanket and bring your own pillows um and you know when we've been on a road trip in the past we definitely brought our own pillows we still did just bring sleeping bags because like when you're driving a long distance we thought it was a bit easier to just do that mm-hmm. and we don't have like a two-person air mattress but there's so many different options for sleeping cots some people like to sleep in hammocks i've taken naps in hammocks but mm-hmm. i've never like spent the night in one so i'd be curious if anyone here has some experience with that i guess you will have hammocks too but it's all your preference that's what i love about camping there's i think there's a lot more options uh, which I think it's the coolest thing about it. Like the sky's the limit. And yep. for our inflatable air mattress, we actually use it. Like it's what we use for guests. I purposely bought it for that. I spent a little bit more because I knew we were using it for camping. <laughs> but um, guarding our sleeping bags, we actually use our backpacking sleeping bags because our sleeping bags are 10 degrees. So it's actually great for all the temperature. So that's the reason why we use it. But we still use a regular blanket for the base for our mattress. Because we have the space, like why not use that as a layer and it can be yeah. used as an extra blanket. But yeah, we don't think too hard regarding what we sleep on. Yeah, I think same. We just have the one set, and I don't think again they're just like Bass Pro Shop brand sleeping mm-hmm. bags that we have, and they've always kept us warm anywhere between kind of summer, fall, spring. Um, we haven't done any winter camping, so it's also not really something you can speak to. But I'm always doubting to take a hammock or not. They never know what the campsite will look like. Yeah, that's kind of a big part is for hammocks, unless it's one of those kind of on a stand, you kind of need two trees or something to to hang it up. So there's always that. I think one kind of mistake that we made the first time we went camping was we didn't have sleeping pads. So that's kind of the like thin or thicker layer that you put – Basically, it shields you from the ground. And we did not sleep super well because the ground wasn't fully even. And even just having this like thin layer can be very, like, it's just better for your back and your neck and all that. So, yes. And then the higher you are from the ground, the more it's like the warmer you can get. That's why it's called the RV values. That's why it's good to have like the padding. You'll sleep better. You'll sleep warmer. Yeah, and someone um, commented. I try the cabins at the state parks. No tent needed. Oh, that's yes. cool. I've always wanted to try the cabins. I've seen that, and also at national parks. And there's some yurts I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't tried that. I just I I've been so kind of set on like car camping or just like backpacking. I haven't tried that, but maybe one day I will venture out. And our inflatable mattress popped in the first night of a three day camping trip. Oh no! <laughs> Did you have a backup? pad or something like that um because other i guess at least even if the air mattress is popped that still provides some amount of insulation and isolation from the from the ground but that's all yeah that's a bummer that's why it's also supportive (laughs) to depend on where you decide to camp to make sure it's like not too rocky doesn't poke through um no backup all it's sad oh but maybe next time if this um 
if anyone does have a backpacking, like um, a sleeping pad or just any sleeping pad to bring that. I think we brought that last time because you we were kind of, you we were unsure or what's going to happen because we actually can't, when it was raining, we thought we could bring it as a backup case you want to sleep in the car. So that could be a nice, like a backup just to have that just in case something happens. Um, yeah. if, I mean, any sleeping pad. So that's um, a recommendation I would have. Um, and then I mean, pillows too. Um, I just bring pillows from my house. So we missed that regarding sleeping. And then, yeah. Um, Does any anybody else have any questions about tents, sleeping, hammocks, setting up your tent? Yes. Um, you can which, talk a bit about what happened when you went camping. <laughs> oh, I can too. Oh my goodness, I had like a. It was quite a trip. It wasn't anything magical. Like, um, so what happened? I went to camping. It was rainy, and it started raining in the evening. And our tent's twenty years old, but we haven't tested out in the rain ever because it's California, and we were camping in the summer. And spring and summer so we found out it's like a one season tent maybe a two season tent um and it was leaking and um it was leaking off Stephen's side not not mine and then it turns out we were yeah. camping too is that i knew we were sleeping in the um mount diablo park which is in diablo range and what's so unique about the, the Diablo Range, it's that a lot of the soil, it's called burdick soil. And burdick soil, actually, um, there's made out of clay. And when you see, they actually see the campground, it's like reddish because it's of clay. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know how it's going to be. But, of course, the state park has designated campsites. So they made it so, like, you know it's okay. They won't give you a campsite that's going to just going to be slosh and clay. Yeah. Because they would have closed it. Uh, that's what's so cool like, when paying for these services because you know you're getting something a little bit more. Unless, like, if it's not paid and you're just camping somewhere, that I would find that really sketchy in the rain unless I do my research on that. So um, we did that, and it turns out where we slept, it wasn't the best decision because <laughs> we, wanted to, we should have picked the spot that was a little bit higher. And if it rains, it kind of funnels off down. Drains off, you yeah. Look at that depending on the weather you want to pick up a little bit higher so you don't in case if it's going to rain so that reason we didn't pick that spot we picked the spot that the water kind of goes down which is a rookie 2004 <laughs> and believe me we, we camp all the time steven's an eagle scout so he knows this stuff it's just a mistake it happens we're humans so where we camped so it's raining it was leaking and then and it was cold but what we realized when we took a tent put a tent away which took a long time you didn't want to do it because it's like all wet and Sorry, inside yeah. and there was like it was water at the bottom of our tent at the bottom of our mat- air mattress and we're like okay it makes sense why we were so cold um but i had my backpacking a sleeping bag and he did too so it was good for that weather but then we took the tent out it was like a puddle underneath it turns out like a clay <laughs> it was clay got active and the water got the soil activated and I love this job it is like we're tangled so basically like yeah. our like where we think I kind of sinked and it was like a, a hole not a pot, it was kind of like a pothole in a sense yeah but it formed <laughs> to our size of our little mattress and we were like oh my goodness I couldn't believe it did that but luckily we were okay and it's just clay so like our air mattress was fine but it was just so crazy to see that I had that experience and and there's another reminder why like we need to be more selective where we camp Mm-hmm. Um, where we set up our tent and we usually are really good with that but we just made a mistake but I would recommend that if you have a campsite don't pick the ones that kind of everything kind of funnels into be the <laughs> yeah. one spot that's kind of flat and things kind of roll off it uh, kind of like drains out of it so that's like my one tip I have 
<laughs> if you are gonna go camping, <laughs> don't just yeah. don't find the don't don't see one spot and be like this is my one spot. Like look around. Usually there's multiple spots you can put your tent at. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> true. We like to set up our tent a little bit under trees usually. Um, and I guess for a rainstorm, maybe that's not the best idea because like branches might fall on our tent. Um, but we've never had too many issues with that, and that just kind of adds like additional shelter and like the ground under trees tends to be pretty compact so something to think about but yeah that's pretty that's pretty intense that you just had this like <laughs> yeah I'll send you a picture actual picture Thanks. later on if anyone wants to see this picture you can see this this is in the, you can see the tent <laughs> the, the intention of the tent I mean that's an uh, the, uh, the air mattress yeah uh, but yes so that's our my story um <laughs> how yeah. we are um, and I think it's part of the adventure when you go yeah. camping. Usually you forget something, you don't realize you need something, and that's what happens to us with, with cooking. We didn't okay. always have, like, a little cooking camping stove, um, so there were definitely times when we just had to eat whatever food we brought, which was, used to be canned food. Now we're, like, a little bit better about bringing homemade food because it's a little less wasteful, I think. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we've had to just eat cold soup in the middle of the forest. <laughs> we didn't have any way to cook it. Oh um, so, and I, and yeah. fact, guess it was in California this happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we thought we were going to be able to collect firewood just like around the camp. And when we got there, there was no shop to like buy firewood or charcoal for the um, little fire pit that they had, and yeah then we were told we were not allowed to pick up this for pick up firewood from around for um fire reasons um Sounds like or wildfire <laughs> yeah was that a state park it was at point reyes actually so um, was that a state park um i pardon me for not point reyes is i think like a national i think it's actually um it's a national seashore i think it's called okay. but yeah it's run by the Ni national park service okay um, national seashore yeah yeah, because sometimes they do that, though. That's why you have to check, though, because um, we're cooking. See, we'll do, like, the whole fire cooking. But um, there's some places that don't have stores. Some places don't sell firewood. And even though it's recommended to buy firewood at that, that spot, it is recommended yeah. because you don't want to bring an, uh, something else from another part of land and just kind of, like, it's, I mean, I don't know what the – I'm not good at these phrases. <laughs> like, yeah. I what, forgot what the terminology is called. Yeah, but, I think um, it's something about invasive species yes. from, like, other, um, just, like, other forests. Because you don't yes. know if, like, the wood might have some infection or anything like that. Exactly. I think that's the... Into it. Um, so usually they would state that. I thought that's the whole purpose of that. But with our recent camping trip, I looked it up, and it said there's they had no store, and actually there was a, I think a, like a welcome store where you can't, you shouldn't rely on that for camping. Mm -hmm. um, so we bought our own like propane, yeah, we bought everything, a propane, charcoal, and we bought our own firewood, which is what the local grocery store, but that's the one the rare times that we do is that we looked on, it's like, hey, we got to buy it there. Otherwise, if you didn't bring it, you would have been cold where we say, because it's like in the 40s yeah. and then winter time, it was, like, mm -hmm. it was like, it was raining. But yeah, it's like, that's, um, but that's a California, you always check, but California is really, really so many restrictions. Even then too, we were driving in, it said that there was no fires. 
at the we, we drove in and it said that signs were there on the mm-hmm. west they said no fires but when we actually got into um we got checked in they said we, they allowed fires in the campsite we're like <laughs> yes but still we still brought it that's not, good but still right now it's like rainy season and it's not summer yet and we know it's like it's a low alert for the fires that we still brought yeah. it. So we're like, just for the rare chance you can. <laughs> and it worked out. But we would have not burned it if it was not allowed. Yeah. And you can always save it for later because, yeah. I mean, luckily the bundles aren't too big and all that. But otherwise for cooking, I don't know, like we've cooked over um, the fire pit. Yeah. They usually have this like grate, which is always really nice. It's like cooking grate. <laughs> We also bought like a pretty basic, I was looking, apparently there's like five different models for this, for the like jet boil portable backpacking stove that uses propane. So we typically rely on that. And it's actually been kind of nice because when we were on a long road trip a few years ago, we would like stop and after a hike, I'd be like, oh, I just want tea. So I just like in the back of my car, just like pop open this like little baby stove. But it's it cooks our food really well. You can prop like a pan um, on top of it or pots and yeah, it just works pretty well, even if there are no, cause we have also been to sites since campsites that don't have like a cooking grate. Mm. So that's other option. Yeah. And yeah. so, and also for us, we actually, we use Sopeak for backpacking. Um, it's like a, literally it's a very tiny three prong and it's just like, it just kind of, out this way it's probably like like half a pound but but when we started car camping um we actually used that for like coffee and anything Mm -hmm. of the stovetop but then eventually we bought a stove like a coleman stove which is like 40 bucks which is funny because our three prong like half a pound stove was like probably 40 bucks and this whole suitcase (laughs) version of a stove is 40 bucks too and it of course one's half a pound one's probably always like five pounds but uh, we slowly we upgraded to that because we realized that um, we actually like with California because uh, a lot of times you can't burn wood so you have to only cook by stovetop so we were forced to get one because from like June to like September or October you can't like you can't use fire unless you're in the higher elevation which is usually the sierras mm-hmm. so we were kind of forced to get a camping stove for that reason but there's nothing wrong with it though it's kind of cool it's like, like i'm in a, like i have a kitchen so. yeah yeah i've used those when we've gone camping with friends and they brought their big like two burner coleman stove yeah. it's been super nice we made pancakes and eggs and yeah. bacon and just... yeah you should take a like, breakfast thing yeah. um or like dinner for like um summertime in california like where there's fire restrictions uh, but yeah it's a great it's great it's a lot of fun and it's cheap and it'll last forever like steven's dad has one and it's like 20 years old uh yeah. I like, I, and it's just heavy the heavier it is the more durable <laughs> it is this is one time yeah. that it's okay to get those heavy bulky items that might be questionably cheap <laughs> because it'll yeah. last a long time yeah and that's another alternative and then the other one too is like like just a grill and we actually use our small like smoke, smoky joe um yeah. a small tiny grill we just got it for free so we're just using that so like we probably could upgrade but we're like well we like for free we like free 99 and slowly yeah. build our collection yeah yeah i remember finding an old smoky joe in college and just kind of you know, one of those things where you just kind of pick it up and yeah, adopt yeah. it into your house. 
um, had to leave it behind eventually. But yeah, I mean, ever since we got the the little backpacking stove, that's mostly what we rely on. Just because all we have to do is buy the little tank, the like propane refill. But yeah, I agree. For the tiny, tiny thing that it is, it was, I don't know, $35, $40? Yeah, exactly. Um, which is not too bad. We just use what but, you have. And that's the kind of thing, like, yeah. you know, a recurring theme for car camping is that weight doesn't matter. It's all that what your car can carry. And you use what you have, and you can slowly build as you go. And that's what we have done, which is the coolest thing ever. Because um, no one judges you based on anything. And it's just like, you know, brand name doesn't matter it's just like it's yeah just just use what you have and build as you go and there is nothing wrong with that yeah we still bring some old pots kettles all these kinds of things and for sure I mean you don't need to buy the fancy little baby pots and pans that Mm -hmm. are for backpacking especially for car camping Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't even open it for backpacking yeah. either. Like Stephen only got a pan because he wanted to make his ideas, which is not that often. Yeah. And it's just like, but we just used our pot, like, and it's it's so silly because people get these fancy like little gadgets and they spend so much money and it's like mm-hmm. we just half a pound. People are like fifty bucks, thirty bucks for a pan. I'm like, I I, I didn't even know I spend that on my own kitchen. Like own kitchen yeah. equipment. Like I think we got a set. I got it for a deal for fifty bucks at Kohl's, but like. I even spend that in my own personal kitchen. Do I really want to spend that? Like, is that something like I really need for car camping? I just rather just yeah. use what I have and um, build my kitchen. I'll build my kitchen collection, you know, like I'll buy a nicer kitchen set and then maybe that set goes to my car camping set. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's something to think about. Everyone has their own choice and preferences, but I don't really care what names, names or brands. I just, yeah, just use what I have. Yeah, totally agree. And especially if you're just starting out, don't invest in the fancy cooking gear because it's honestly kind of sold like gear until you know if this is something you want to do more often. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think drinking water and doing dishes and all of this, I think, is kind of a related topic that's pretty important. Um, It's not super fun and sexy all the time, but I think... Knowing before you go if you're going to have potable water, I think, is incredibly important. We've had to bring, and I know it's not the most sustainable thing, but just like four or five gallon jugs for a multi-day camping trip when we aren't sure if there's going to be drinking water at the place. But I don't know what your experience has been with with water and boiling and filtering and Oh, we've been lucky. Like, all the places we have gone, and in California, it's because we pay for these parking campsites. Like, when you pay for it, that's when you know you're going to get the good stuff. That's why I don't care, you know, shutting out 40 bucks. Like, I know I'm going to get a parking spot. I know there's going to be water. I know I'm going to be safe. Uh, I don't, like, I can just drive in, know my spot's there, and not worry about anything. Um, But the first time, we didn't have pedible water. So that was something interesting as because there was a drought and that was the reasoning. And this is a state park. Usually national parks are not like that, um, but state parks, it can change. Um, but luckily we always bring links, at least a gallon of water. Um, I think it's a gallon or the, the bigger one, like this size so mm-hmm, it's more, yeah. or two gallons. But we, we always carry that because we can fill it because if you don't, you need something to carry the water back to your campsite so you can drink out of. Because you're not going to use that to fill your water bottle. It just seems like 
a long trip to go back and forth to do that. So <laughs> I recommend just doing yeah. that just so you know. Like, so that's my, 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 my tip to you. Just bring a jug of water just so you, you can have that at your campsite and refill it. Just it's the minimal to do that. And if, um, yeah. if you can bring more if you need to. But, but that's the reason why we had it. And it actually came really helpful. And then also it's great if you can do campfires with that same jug, you can actually pour it out, pour water. Yes, and then pour water into the campfire. So, yeah. But, um, but we haven't had any issues. That was the first time that ever happened to us. Yeah, I think we've also always been lucky because um, we've camped. I think most of our camping experience has actually been in California, oddly enough in national parks and they've always had potable water even showers flushable toilets all all of that so um we've been pretty lucky i know sometimes out of laziness i'll like you just pour a little bit of water onto my hands if i want to wash my hands um at the campsite or yeah do any kind of quick dish cleaning but most places even have dedicated dishwashing stations yeah. so you don't oh, have to do everything at your site yes and, and which we recommend doing because um work because you don't want to as like out of like um use soap and like wash things at the campground because like all that soap all that chemicals go into like the grass the dirt everything around so that's why they have these stations and you can clean properly and you don't harm the environment um so that's what you know I guess Marcel was trying to lead to um yeah and I usually try my best not to like to use chemicals or soap um so you can get to the ground um I just have a wipe or a sanitizer but I'm really mindful and it even goes with brushing our teeth I get like that's a huge conversation people go back and forth with like if you brush your yeah. teeth like where do you spit you know or do you swallow <laughs> um but yeah, like that's something <laughs> to think about. Um, but I usually wash my dishes. And sometimes like a, a last trip, it was actually really messy. I just like, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, the one day trip, I'm just going to wash mm-hmm. it tomorrow. And I'm going to clean what I could. And I was like, it's not worth it. I'm not wasting water for this dish. I think I just use a little bit of water and clean it out um, near where it would be the water, the where I can get the water at. So I can use at least one clean. But I was like, this is not worth my water. I'll just do it yeah. tomorrow in the dishwasher. Yeah, I've definitely done that on the last day. You know, make sure it doesn't spill food all over your car, but... Um. Ooh, other thing, too, we have to clean it somewhat because you don't, like... And we put that pan in the car because it would smell and then animals can get to that and, like, attack your food. So yeah. that's what, like, double-edged sword is. You have to, like, somehow clean it, but keep it in your... If it's not clean, put it in your car so you don't want to get critters trying to dig through your food. Yeah, that's super important, and I think leads into a, also a related thing, which is food storage. Yes, because <laughs> I've always been to a place that has a bear box per campsite, so those are always super nice. We just end up putting everything in there, and sometimes if we cook and it's already dark out, we just put yeah our dirty pots, pans, plates in there so we can wash them in the morning, um, and we can be pretty sure that. Yeah, like you're saying, no critters, no bears, no raccoons or anything like that can get at that. We even put our, like, any kind of toiletry stuff, we typically put yep. in there, too. Yes, which you should, and you should, because if you go to a place like Yosemite and there's, like, really a huge bear problem, they'll tell you to put everything, your toothpaste, gum, chapstick, lipstick, anything with a scent you put in there, because um, it can get really bad. 
and that's that's for the bear boxes we have. Um, so I take that into heart for anywhere we go. Anything was sent, like I, I'm storing that. And for California, for the Bay Area, our biggest issue is the raccoons. And also, mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of deer. Um, deer just like sweat. <laughs> but still, I, so what we would do is that um, we would put everything in the bear boxes, like as much as we can. Like even for backpacking for Yosemite, when we get to a campsite, we put our backpacks in the bear box. Like yeah. we're like, we put everything, I'm not risking someone getting to our stuff because if it can fit in there, I'll do that. But for the pots and pans, we had to put it in the car because we, and you can actually look at this, um, but if you go to all trails or different websites too, there's comments and people, and I looked at all, all the comments for these, for the Mount Diablo campground. And the one thing I kept seeing in different websites, because well, they're multiple, are saying raccoons are a problem and they even get through these bear boxes and they should raccoon boxes and they're made out of wood now i know why it's, it's just wood it's not steel yeah so we're like <laughs> i'm not risking a raccoon gnawing through this wood over this fajita stench so i yep. put that in the car and you'll you'll read that too if you look at these comments and i'm just pouring through it because i'm new to this place and i don't trust raccoons they're the devil <laughs> Aww. I hear horror stories about them. They don't care about you. So no, no, no. They're very cute and they go like this and they're adorable, but they love rummaging and garbage. That yes. is for sure true. But I think safety is like a whole other topic we probably yeah. should cover separately. Um, I guess one more kind of piece of advice that I would give that isn't something you kind of typically think of um, is like that don't bring any food into your tent either, right? Like we yes. only bring water bottles if we get thirsty overnight or in the morning or anything like that, but water bottles, uh, any kind of like wipes, if you're not going to shower, maybe you still want to use baby wipes to wipe yourself off after a sweaty day, put all of that in the bear box again, just. Yes. And that's something that like, that is carried on to backpacking, actually in bear country. And they will tell you that too. And, and like I, and that's something I keep in mind. I do it for car camping. Yes. You put, you don't have any sense in where you sleep unless you want the threat of like, having a critter come through. And <laughs> for backpacking, I have stories too. So I'm waiting for that story, for that, for that chat about all our horror stories, all of the stories we have, because once we had like, um, a squirrel and a mice chew through our backpacking tent because of food. Um, and it was not intentional, it wasn't planned, and we thought we had did it correctly. Um, actually, one chew through, we didn't, I, I think it's because they had, we had somehow I spilled something, um, and I think I spilled tang, and I guess that squirrel mom got really hyper from the sugar and just chewed through our tent. And we didn't know it did. And I'm like, if you don't want something, but the mice was in our tent, we couldn't get it out. It was like screaming and screaming. And oh, Stephen just was like, stop screaming. And then I was like, I was like, ah, I was like, I don't care. There's a mice in our tent. But yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely so, not. Yeah, be careful what you have. But yeah. check what you have. Um, that's another recommendation too is that um my lesson is that like i recommend for the lighting um when you're camping and also backpacking too make sure we've right before right before when the sun sets like make sure you have your headlamp with you mm -hmm. because it gets dark quickly and i guess i have to I get to have too much fun and all of a sudden it's like dark and then you yeah. need to know where you're going where to find things and headlamp is so important for these issues we got to, 
we got actually got caught off guard because it's winter time and it just got dark and we couldn't find our headlamps and we were just like scrummaging to find it and I felt like the, the weekend the guy from the weekend I was like looking through everything and I thought yeah. I'm trying to find my other headlamp I was like oh my goodness this is like awful but, but I recommend doing that so you can know where you're going and then know like you're having food in your like your tent because I just remember that we actually ate in the tent. I was like, we got so lucky nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, and then also like, we can have solar lights too. Uh, we love solar lights. We got them later on. We had from the table to the tent so we can actually find where we're going. We didn't have that. So we we're just kind of stumbling through the dark, trying to figure out where oh. everything goes. Yeah. <laughs> rookie yeah. mistake. And when we're not rookies, it happens. <laughs> it definitely happens. Yeah. I think headlamps is something that we've been pretty good on though I remember yeah I think one of the last times that we went camping um, and this was a pretty populated honestly kind of crowded campground so there were light sources from many other uh, spots and other people so we didn't have too much trouble seeing certain paths and like the bathhouse was well lit so that was easy to find but at our actual table if we wanted to have dinner or have a drink or play a game we ended up buying like one of those tiny little led lanterns which has also helped us in power outages since at home but it it's just really helpful we didn't realize we wanted even something like that until we saw other people and we're like oh no wonder they're still hanging out outside exactly they have like a little extra light source that isn't the headlamp yeah um which is helpful and the lights were seeking like I, we learn pick up as we go and we use a lot of our backpacking stuff for that but a headlamp is something i would recommend for sure but i loved how you brought up something and i think you know what i brought up is that um what how we learned a lot what we wanted is through other people and yes. <laughs> um that is how we learned i mean i'm latina i'm like a nosy i look i like i like i am <laughs> sometimes i probably yeah. like ask too many questions and make people feel awkward but when we go car camping we always look at people's campsites we're like what are they using what are they doing i want to know their setup you know, when it was raining, we were, like, driving, we were leaving people who stayed longer. We were, like, what are they doing? So we are driving super slow, <laughs> driving safely, and we are just, like, oh, that's a nice setup. Like, oh, we need we need that mm-hmm. tarp side up. Like, oh, man, yep. we have a trailer. We need that trailer. So and that's what we do all the time. Before that, we were wa- walking to people's, like, walking through. But that's a one way is how you can get gain inspiration. I guess that's the way you can phrase, phrase it. You gain inspiration. It's like a a virtual Pinterest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's not just that. We've also had kind of fellow campers help us with lighting our fires. And we've just kind of learned techniques for kind of quick techniques for lighting fires. Um, That was always because we do have one of those what are they called the like flintstone uh, kind of things or where you have to kind of chip away at it until it sparks that's actually incredibly hard unless you're very well practiced with that so i think um, we have one that we never use yeah (laughs) i think it's like an emergency (laughs) right yeah we tried practicing at home once even just like with our fire pit here and it just took forever so we um, have two lighters in our camping kit (laughs) actually we have three so (laughs) Even 
if it's not just like a gear related thing, we've still learned a lot from people around us who have either offered us help or like you're saying, we've just kind of creeped over (laughs) to see what they're doing. Um, (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that at all. And I guess the common theme is that you learn as you go and you grow and then you build everything too along the way. You just think what you're cruising through it, use what you have, like it's all common themes and just it's car camping. Like it's not supposed to be anything stressful. Um, it's not backpacking. Your car can bring everything. We actually bring way too much stuff um, mm-hmm. because we're just kind of cautious, cautious, but it's okay. A car can handle it. Um, yeah, no big Car deal. can definitely handle it. I think um, we're getting to our Q and A time. Oh yeah, so if any questions, please ask because we can go on and on about car camping. Like I love it so much. Oh, but I do want to recommend that when you start building your car camping kit, if you can get like a t- like a big tub, you can find this like ten dollars at Home Depot or maybe go to Big Lots or like a clearance store. Um, any plastic container. We have one and we just put all our camping stuff in it. We put like, you know, all our old pots, pans, cheap plastic plates that we were handed down. Anything we have, we need to store everything. And it was the coolest thing because it just like, it's a storage bed. It just, we put it somewhere and it just uh, sits there. It's concealed. And then when we came back, everything was there. We didn't have to go looking for everything. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's really easy to move everything. And it just makes it life so much easier. So I would recommend doing that. And you don't, it's just like, you can find like a, like a tub anywhere. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great, great tip. And something that we don't do yet. We used to carry everything in like a ton of reusable boxes. shopping bags or boxes. <laughs> and it's just, it's not practical to do that. We, we finally got the bins. We're like, we just need a bin. We got too, we get us had too much stuff at that point. Yeah. And we're having a part two next week with Erica from Pacific Northwest Happy Hikers. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah. She's not Latina, but we, even though we're Latinas who adventure, we are open to anyone. It's just that that's who we are. And we interview anyone. Feel free to join the conversation, ask questions, and we can interview anyone. Yeah. So I don't know, do we have any kind of last comments while people think of questions? And just so everyone knows who's still watching, we actually prepare for this. We actually spend like an hour and we chat about this and we have like a long list of things to talk about. So we actually prepare for this. Um, we got a question. What was your most challenging hike? Ooh, do you want to go first or should I? You go first. <laughs> sure. Think about um, this. <laughs> it is a very tough question. I think... The most challenging hike that I can remember, oof, there's a few. But the one that I would say was challenging both like in elevation gain and just kind of mentally was the Lassen Peak hike that that I did, wow, almost six years ago um, at this point um, in 2015. Um, Lassen Peak is over 10,000 feet high. Wow. um, And you start you over something like two and a half miles, if I remember correctly, you gain something like two or 3,000 feet in elevation. So it's very steep, a lot of switchbacks, completely open. It's amazing once you're up top because you can see um, Mount Shasta and you can see kind of the surrounding Sierras. Um, And we had a super clear day, but it was definitely one of those things where it's very exhausting to climb. And on the way down, I definitely had that kind of like altitude dizziness Mm -hmm. because it's just open and just kind of, 
doing all the switchbacks on the way down, I had to stop, pace myself more. And so that was not something I was used to from hiking. Sounds very challenging. I gotta try that out. I'm like, I write that down. Last and peak. <laughs> Last and peak is really, really awesome. It's incredibly popular, so you have to get there early. But yeah. um, I passed by Last and um, National it was National Park, right? Yeah. Yes, on the PCT. So that was the one when I had hit it, and we walked through it, and we spent the night there. Okay, and for mine, um, mine of course it's gonna be about the PCT. And it's not well. Of course, that was the most challenging hike. But my my most challenging day on the PCT was when we had to hike up Forest or Pass because mm -hmm. this is like in the Sierra and it's in the snow. And um, if anyone doesn't know, I'm from Houston. Like Houston, concrete jungle is the first like snowstorm we had in like a hundred like this crazy storm like over a hundred years. So I I I only saw the snow like three times in my entire life. And here I am, like, hiking 50 miles in the snow. I'm going to be that guy from the Rugrats at Grandpa. I hiked 15 miles in the snow. <laughs> I'm going to be that person. And I don't care. I'm going to be that person. But we had a hike up Forester Pass in the snow. And we actually joined a group of, like, a, a group invited us, which made it a lot easier. And it was so cool because it was, like, 20 of us. It was, like, Find us us five with their group, and we we're twenty of us hiking up this mountain, but it's in the snow. So like you, I literally like you have to like you climbing like straight up, and I as soon like my you know my fourth experience in the snow, and I'm just there with my whippet, which is like a trekking pole, but it has like an ice mm -hmm. axe end of it, and I'm just hiking up, and there's steps there like people had because they were, people hiked up there, but I was just kind of hiking up this kind of look down, and I'm just like. Oh my goodness, I am not a mountaineer, but this moment I am. And yes. they're going to the highest like pass and like the highest point in the PCT trail. Mount Whitney is the highest point, but it's like and but it's like not on the trail. And I am only doing it because there's a group of twenty people and if I can't do it, like there's no way going back. Like there's yeah. you can only go forward unless the pass OS because going back is just all snow and going down head going because we hiked up a bunch of mountains so i have to go up these mountains again i was like i'm not going back yeah so it's like sos are doing this and um but luckily i had a great support group and people were just like screaming yelling like woohoo and i did it and then when you <laughs> nice. i'm going down you, um you actually go stay down because it's actually really scary to hike down so the safest way to go down is just sliding down so mm -hmm. I actually, that was the fun part but that was still one of the challenging parts in my like, hike because I'm not a snow person. I'm trying to be, I eventually, because I think it's Kika who talked to him. Now I'm going to try to get a third chance and try to get familiar with the snow, like with snowboarding. But man, that was challenging, scary, Sounds in my comfort zone. Really, I was like, really scary. I have yeah. to say, I've seen people go sating and it's so easy to start tumbling and just rolling down a mountain, a very big mountain. And <laughs> I've never tried that. It is um, fun, but look at the but... backpack. It's like 30 pounds. It kind of weighs you back. And you use your trekking poles as to guide you, which is kind of cool. And that's yeah. kind of like, and your trekking poles can like use as a brake, as like a lever. So that's how you can like um, go, slow yourself down. It's like, I, I was actually a video of me like sliding down kind of very gracefully, but Steven was nice. just like, zoom down. He had no carries, like no <laughs> brakes on him. And I was like, it, we thought he wasn't going to stop. <laughs> But yeah, that was one of the most challenging hikes I've had. Um, but I did it. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that was an awesome question. Any other questions? Yeah. But I still want to do Lawson Peak, though. That sounds awesome. Lawson <laughs> Peak is 
I can only recommend, I, I love volcanoes and you get to hike around the actual crater and look down into this little crater lake and everything. So yeah, I think that was one of those pivotal kind of hiking moments. Like, yeah, I need to do this more. So that's awesome. Um, okay. Any yeah. other questions here? Cause those are going to wrap up. Yeah. It can be about camping, hiking, gear, Anything. safety, um, We'll try to keep it short. <laughs> I know. So I'm a talker. Um, that's why we're in Clubhouse too. Like, really cool because it, it's like an audio conversation. You can actually have a lot more of these type like that, but it's about the video. So if anyone else, if anyone's on Clubhouse, make sure to join, tune into our chats on Tuesday. And it's a lot more conversational. Yes. Yeah. A lot more conversational and interactive, I think. Yeah, which um, I love about that. But yeah, I think if we're not going to have any more okay. questions, thank you everyone for thank joining. You. Remember that next week we're going to have our awesome guest, Erica, from Pacific Northwest Happy Hikers, or PNW Happy Hikers, I yes. think, on Instagram. Follow. She is awesome, and you will not regret following her. Okay. I'm super excited to talk to her next yeah, week. Yeah, me too. She's so amazing. And we talked to her, like, uh, back and forth. So you had to bring her on. She is just amazing, genuine, authentic, and she likes to go like um, hiking into winter. And she hikes in the winter with her kids too. So I, I admire yep. her for doing that. Like, <laughs> man, like, so um, if anyone who has a kids and you want to learn about how to hike in the winter with your kids, like, you please, like, Erica is someone is amazing. She goes all the elements. So yes. uh, I admire her for, for all that. I look up yeah. to her. Definitely, definitely. You can learn a lot from her. And she's just so generous to be able to, to join us. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And um, yeah, you too. Closing, closing thoughts. Um, make sure to leave no trace behind and leave it better than you found it. Yeah. And wear a mask and be aware of where you're visiting. Please don't drive too far if you're going to take a road trip. We hope you enjoyed part one of our car camping conversation. For part two, we invited outdoor expert and founder of PNW Happy Hikers and Backpackers, Erica Lee. So stay tuned. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app if you like what you hear. Thank you as always for listening.